Coming to you from the Laser Light Recording Studios in Waterville, Ohio, it's the Midnight Blue and Gold Launchpad Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It is officially BGSU week. I'm Rocket Ryan Brandt. I am PJ Spiller, a.k.a. Pat Jillick. I am Ben Sullivan, a.k.a. Big Ben. And on the dials, the ones ones and and twos, as we like to say, the one, the only, engineer extraordinaire, Kyle W. Smith. Hey, everybody. We also have a special guest in the studio tonight, my daughter, 19-year-old Aubrey Brandt. Let's give her a big hand, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And she is a uh, graduate of the Trisha Cullop basketball school back when she was in elementary. So she remembers going to camp. Nice. I guess it would be camp, not school, but you know what I mean. I'm Sorry. sure Coach Cullop remembers that as well. Yeah. Big moment in her life and everyone's life. So are we ready to get into this? Let's get into it. It's Dirty Bird Week. Yes, it is. But before we do that, let's take a look at that, a quick look at that win over Eastern Michigan. I tell you what, guys. They came out from the get-go and just put it to them. How, how nice was that? It was fantastic. Uh, watching them come out and get, you know, get things going early. Like we've said all season, they've been a slow-starting team. And perfect time of the year to do it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, 21 points in the first quarter. End of score at Q1 was 21 nothing, And then by the time halftime rolls around, it felt from the stands that the game was already over. Yeah. 35-3 at halftime. And we've, Pat, as you mentioned, we've talked about it. Like, the Rockets have struggled to get off to a good start from both sides of the ball. Like, maybe the defense gets off to a hot start, but the offense doesn't, vice versa. This was the first game where it felt like both sides of the ball were locked in from kickoff. And it was great to see as a, as a fan, because it really, it felt like a no-doubter the whole way. It felt like we were in the driver's seat from the minute that kickoff took place. Absolutely. Yeah, Kyle, you were... Lucky enough to watch the game from the friendly confines of your lazy boy. What were your thoughts on the game? You know, this. I think this is the first complete game Toledo's had this year, and it's what we've been waiting for. Best time of year to get hot like that. Not only is you going in the bowl season, you're going into your conference championship, but you have a bunch more eyes on you during action. Absolutely, a lot more eyes. Yeah, great point. And it was nice to see Daquan Finn come out and have a little bit of a coming out party for the season. Oh, uh, my gosh. What a game. You know, 23 of 27, three for 407, uh, three touchdowns and one pick. But luckily, it, luckily even, he has a short memory and it didn't even bother him. And the him. one pick was hilarious because he, you could tell he was kind of feeling it. He was in his bag a little bit. He was trying to do too much. Exactly. So he tries to end up on Center. And just reached in the cookie cookie jar a little bit too far and got caught. But it was a it was an immaculate performance from him. It really was. It felt like every single time he dropped back to pass, he was getting a 15 yard completion. I think his average completion uh, yardage was like 17 yards or 16 yards for the game. So it's when you're getting that type of yardage every single time you drop back, he's 23 of 27. If you take obviously the interception in there, but four incompletions and every time you drop back, it felt like you were getting 15 yards. Like that's a massive game. His average on the day was 15.1 yards a reception. Yeah. Like that's, you're getting chunks in like we talked about last week, like Eastern Michigan's offense is not high octane. They're not built to come back from big deficits like that. So for us to get up big like that before half, I mean, arguably we could have started the second half with the second stringers and we went into the fourth quarter, but we could have we could have had him in there in the third quarter. Uh, the game, like you said, was it felt like it was out of hand at halftime. So unfortunately, 
I was overruled with my group that was at the game. We had to leave at halftime, so I didn't get oh. to see a chance to see the second half. There were two of the live. female persuasion there, so that usually overrules. Oh, that will do it. That'll do it. Yeah, yeah. We you love get, you, though. Yeah, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But it was nice uh, getting out there and, and cheering the Rockets on uh, to victory. Quinn Mitchell had a great game. Max and Hook had a hell of a game on defense. I yes, mean, he did. He's become more and more consistent as the season comes has gone along. He's gone from you know three and four tackles to eight to ten tackles a game. Yeah, uh, five solos. He's flying around too. There was a couple plays. I believe the play that's sticking out in my mind right now was in the second half. So it must have been third quarter when he was still in the game. But the Eastern had a chance to get. It was maybe like a ten yard completion, like nothing crazy. But I believe it would have changed or it would have you know moved the sticks it was a first down completion and he flew like man was on his horse and then forces uh an incompletion and it's like little plays like that like yeah you look at the stat sheet that might not pop it's not up gonna anywhere show up as a stat but, but a, it's a, a hurry exactly it's a it's a big play where he essentially forced an incompletion and he was not in position to start the play and he covered serious ground to get there it was it was a big time play he's kind of reversed roles with what Nate Bauer was doing earlier in the season you know we haven't talked a lot about Nate recently yeah. but in that that's probably because Maxson has come come into the forefront uh you know Nate was the one flying around and getting all the tackles and he was the one that was uh getting in there and, and doing some damage but now Maxson has kind of stepped up and taken on that leadership role for that backfield yeah and I think maybe to your point, Pat, about, you know, Maxson did miss a couple games after the Illinois game, and it really was the Nate Bauer show for a right. few games there. And then Emmanuel McNeil Warren stepped up big in those games too. So it's kind of good to see the defense really kind of getting healthy at the right time. Well, and like like Kyle said, you know, they're coming together as a complete team right now. Yeah. Which is it's, it's fun. It's awesome to see. Well, shall we go on with our players of the game? Our Highland Appliance players of the game. Absolutely. Like I said, Quinion Mitchell ended up getting an interception in the game and had a couple, a few pass breakups, which launched him up to 42 on his career. Now he ties Samuel Womack of the 49ers for the most career pass breakups. Not bad company to have. Not at all. Of course, Womack is a San Francisco 49er right now. Yes. So uh, that, definitely good company to be in. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as as soon as the quarterback from Eastern threw that pass, I'm like, why are you throwing it, Quinion? Yeah, I know exact same thought. Why? I'm like, Did you not see the Northern Illinois game last yeah, year? Yeah, you have. Did options? you not watch any tape this year? Have you not read anything about him at all in yeah. two years? Have you not been looking at mock drafts? <laughs> yeah, this is a future Baltimore Raven. They're saying you're throwing it. Yes. Yeah, it was it was a nutty game plan, and and the defense, the Rocket defense. Before we get into our MVPs. Their Eastern Michigan's quarterback was nine of twenty-four for eighty-six yards in an interception. Like he couldn't do anything. Yeah. And the interesting part yeah. is they actually aren't a running team. They want to throw the ball, but they. Can't. Yeah, and I mean, there those passes that he did complete. It was only a three-point-five yard average. Yeah, my guy was not not moving the ball well. He's hitting the running backs or the tight ends, you know, out of the backfield. Right. Right. Yeah. He. Um... Left a little to be desired, but you know, yeah. yeah, I still give credit to Chris Creighton. He's got to be one of the best coaches in America. What have you done up there? Yeah, he has turned things around. You know, there were a lot higher hopes for that team earlier in the season and preseason. Uh, unfortunately, things haven't gone their way, and you know that's going to happen. So, and they did lose a couple draft picks. Yeah, they and, did. You know, when you think about it, us, we reload. They will struggle. Rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, why don't you kick us off with your MVPs of the game? So, I got to go, obviously. I think it's probably going to be a wash, Daquan Finn. I mean, I've never seen him play that well. 
23 to 27, 407 yards, three touchdowns at one pick. But that sounds, those are like Madden numbers or yeah. when they have NCAA, NCAA yeah. 14, I think it was the last one, when they have the new one coming out. Yeah. Those are those kind of numbers. Yeah. So. And I mean, earlier in the season, he had 177 yards rushing. He only had 10 yards rushing in this game, but the, the guy's pretty dang versatile. He didn't need a rush. Right. He didn't. Yeah. I'm with you guys. I think it's a clean sweep. I'm not sure. Oh, Kyle, Kyle's shaking his head. No, Kyle's okay. got another. MVP. Oh, look at him being right. contrarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Kyle W., what do you got for us? Uh, I'm going to give it to Penny Boone. Yeah. Uh, he led three different stat categories this week, rushing yards, receiving yards, and rushing touchdowns with three. Yeah. Wow, look at you. I, I was. I think 150 total yards. All-purpose. T- yeah. Yeah. All together. Yeah, 166. And with that, with the 52 yards he gained on the ground, he went over 1,000 yards for the season. He's at 1,042 yards. So things are looking bright for Mr. Penny Boone. I was right there with you, Kyle. I was going to uh, think about making him my player of the game, but Finn's, Finn's performance just overwhelmed. And Boone could have had a bigger game. It was This was the first game, gentlemen, where I was sitting there watching and wondering why Penny Boone, for a minute there, I was like, did he was he late to a meeting? Like There was whole possessions where oh, he yeah. did not go in. They gave Jack West Stewart a lot of burn this game. Okay. So it's, it's kind of nice to see them return to that, I think, what they initial, initially planned this season of a super balanced rushing attack of having both of them. This was the first game where it really was in full effect of like, okay, we could use a little more Penny Boone, though. I could, I could yeah, use I mean, a couple more carries for the three, guy. Three touchdowns. To your guys' point, though, with uh, Daquan Finn, I mean, if you look at the number of receptions for each player, everybody got a piece of pie thanks to Daquan. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just spreading the ball everywhere. So it was a great game by him as well. Yeah. And special shout-out to my boy, Junior Vandeross. Two touchdowns. He just never does it when I pick him. <laughs> but my guy finally did it. The two touchdown performance from Junior Vandeross finally happened. So two tutties for super fan Dave Zimmerman. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> two tuds. Now that he knows what a, a tutty is, right? Yeah, he's been he's been educated, right? You know, thanks to the uh, mailbag. But we'll get to that in a little bit. You know, Jacquez didn't have a horrible game. He had forty five yards rushing. He averaged three and a half a carry. Uh, they get a pe- touchdown as well. Yeah, and he got a touchdown. Penny Boone averaged about four point seven a carry. So. It it was a nice, well-rounded game, uh, yeah. despite the fact that, you know, Finn was throwing the ball all over the field to everyone. Uh, they didn't get away from their balance, and that was nice. Okay, so let's go. We're going to go back around. You start de- de- with the defense, and then we'll go back that way. So for the defense, I'm going with the one and only Max and Hook. There you go. Uh, I mean, his numbers sp- spoke for himself, or, you know. However, that should be phrased. <laughs> uh, I, I speak did. And, and like like Ben said earlier, he was an animal. He was all over the field, uh, you know, and it'd be interesting to see, go back and watch a game film of him just to see how many plays he was in on that didn't show up in the stat stat books. Yeah. It's little things like that. He he definitely impacted the game. So I I wanted to go Max and Hook, but I cannot miss an opportunity to give it to Quinion Mitchell. I just love having the peace of mind of knowing that an offense cannot look at that side of the field and feel good about it. And once again, going back to what Eastern wants to do, they're not very effective at it, but they want to pass the ball, especially in a game like that. You get, if Toledo builds a lead and you have a lockdown corner like Q, 
who gets interceptions consistently when people target him. He gets pass deflections all the time when people target him. It's not easy to even get completions, let alone yards, touchdowns, anything that is productive for the offense. That is extremely valuable. Oh, yeah. And when you have that type of player and he has the effect on a game like he did this past week, I mean, to me, I think he just makes things so difficult for opposing offenses. So that's why I'm going to give it to Q. So uh, I feel like every week I talk about stats we don't see on your final recap. Uh, And individual performance, I do want to give it to Max and Hook. You know, he had a great game. But that defensive line, Mm. they had a sack and a half, I think, total. But the number of pressures and hurries to where, I mean, the passing game was pretty much unaffected or ineffective for Eastern. Um, I have to give it to them. They finally got some pressure. It was nice to see for sure. Uh, because that has kind of been lacking, and you know, in recent and in recent Pat weeks, Pat also has been trying to get Terrence Taylor uh, up and going, and he had a pretty decent game. Yeah. So thanks to Pat's motivation. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I'm, he probably listens to this and just says, "I want to make Pat proud." PJ wel- Spiller said, uh, "You're welcome. Come out and five, play tonight. You're welcome, five sixer." <laughs> I think he started the hashtag Pat Proud. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Well, he's kind of been forced into that position too, because I mean, we lost. Uh, we lost Jackson Barrow with a uh, torn ACL. So uh, it, it's a perfect spot for Mr. Terrence Taylor to step up. Friend of the show, Terrence Taylor. That's right. To step up and take charge. And I, I like seeing it. Okay. And I'm going to go with Max and Hook as well. Um, again, eight total tackles, five solo, just a disruptor back there. Uh, he puts on 20 pounds. They'd probably move him to linebacker. But. I I know he he loves playing safety and he's good there. So uh, don't put on any weight, Maxon. You know, when mom <laughs> and dad come to town, make sure you they take you to that sushi place your dad was talking about last week. I can't remember what it's called, but he said he really liked it. So anyway, back to the right. congrats. Now let's go with the uh, special teams. I'm going with uh, Devin Maddox. Uh, nice uh, nice job on the punt returns. He had three for uh, 41 yards, including a 36. Along of 36, he had a 36-yard punt return, averaged 13.7 yards per punt return. That is my Island Appliance Special Teams Player of the Week. I'm going to go with Luke Pollack once again. Seven for seven on extra points. Devin Maddox had a nice return game, uh, but I'm going to go with the old standby in in, uh, Luke Pollack. I like it. Yeah, I think Devin Maddox has definitely vaulted himself into the now where teams have to worry about him as a punt return threat you can't just kick it deep to the middle of the field with him back there anymore like he's have he's proven the last what three or four weeks to be a dangerous guy back there but i am going to give it to luke pollock as well it's one thing i mean it feels like we are almost i don't want to say unappreciative but he's just been under the radar extremely consistent for us all year he's not missing extra points i'm not sure i mean we don't take a lot of field goal attempts but he's been pretty darn good from what I even, I don't remember him even missing the last five, six weeks. So I think Luke Pollock is kind of an unheralded player on this team where we, you know, it's one of those positions where if you don't have a kicker, you're worried about it constantly. As a Cleveland Browns fan last year, every time they trotted out Cade York, I was sweating because you, you couldn't take any, any attempt. You didn't think any of them were money, which is wildly different from the Phil Dawson era where anything within 50 and you were like, I'm not, we don't even got to look, we can get up and go to the bathroom. So Luke Pollock is kind of getting into that range where it feels I've, I have a great peace of mind when he trots out there. So I'm going to give my special teams player of the week to Luke Pollock. Sounds good. Uh, I'm also going to go Maddox. Um, 
I think I saw on Twitter Toledo at least gave him a shout out for special team player of the week. I'm not sure if he's Mac special team, but I did see some on Twitter giving him a shout out. All right. There Can't we argue go. with perfection. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had a great year. Nice kid too. Um, met him at the downtown coaches and just a, a real nice, uh, gentlemanly kid. So, uh, his parents are from Pittsburgh, or at least his dad has played college baseball here at UT. So, you know, that they come from the 412 to the 419. They're, they're quality people. <laughs> and one more interesting stat, gentlemen, before we move off this game. UT only had seven third down attempts, and we were five of seven on third down. To give you kind of a reference point, Eastern Michigan was six of 15. So you can, typically you have, I mean, double digits is a safe assumption. Most of the time you have multiple third downs that pop up throughout the game. I shouldn't say multiple, once again, double digits. And we were five of seven, so we were moving the ball so I'd also eff- like to so see uh, how many of those six converted were in the garbage time. Right. Fourth yeah, quarter drives. Exactly. Good point. Uh, back to what Kyle said earlier, a complete game. Again. Yeah. You know, they were doing this the first three, four weeks of the season. They were ranked number one in the nation in third down conversions. Yeah. Uh, 508 they, total yards of offense. Like, yeah. They, they, got <laughs> away from that. they got away from that a little bit, but now they're back. So that's nice to see. All right. Awesome. So we put that one in the books. Rockets are now 9-1 and one overall, 6-0 and oh in the MAC. And up comes the Battle of I-75. It's those dirty birds from down in Wood County, the Bowling Green Falcons. Um, pumpkin and poo boys. There you go. We, uh, <laughs> you've got to give Dan Savage the credit for yeah. that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty much the color. And the we Crayola also, crayon color he came up with. We yeah. also <laughs> failed to mention that Dan isn't joining us this week. He's out of town. But Kyle does have a statement that, that uh, old Dan Savage wanted to have read on this week's podcast a prepared yeah, statement. so dan's players of the game for eastern if we can take a step back for a second he has daquan finn okay for offense maddox is his special teams okay and he said defense overall just a good team win that does not count that's not that's not <laughs> how said this the, works he said the db depth was critical you're, he's right though. Fuller played a great game at corner, and then, I mean, they don't want to target any of these guys. Who are you going to target? You going to pick on Chris McDonald, who's played extremely solid. Who for am I six- to argue against Rocket Man? He's, you know? Yeah, right. Good, great point. Um, he said game prediction for uh, this upcoming game against BG, uh, word for word. Toledo wins the battle of the shuttlecock to sh- secure the I seventy five trophy for the twelfth time in the past fourteen seasons. BG will throw every trick play at Toledo and will be stymied inside their own 24 more times. A block punt will occur by Toledo. UT won't step off the gas until six minutes left in the game, securing a 48 to 10 victory. Wow. That is a very precise prediction. That was like a movie. I mean, I feel like I've already seen the game. He went into depth. He sure did. Well, (laughs) yeah, he was part of the staff there for a while as a, as a young man, he's still a young man compared to you and me, but you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Well, so, you know, Dan's at a wedding, I guess. Not his own, but uh, a wedding. So, uh, have fun, Dan. Yep, hopefully we you have you. fun, Dan. And uh, we'll, we'll just pick up the pick up the slack here while you're gone. But uh, So, on to the 88th meeting. Oh, of, my gosh. And you can't talk about a, a of series. The, of the nasty, is, uh, you know, sea, or, uh, Sky Rats <laughs> versus the Rockets. The I mean, 88th meeting. I mean, when you think about a series being even. 42, 41, and 4. Yeah, I mean. Is that was, what it is? 42, yeah. 41, and 4? You can't get yeah. any closer. Ooh. 
that's crazy. Yeah. Unless it's tied. And, it, and, and, Toledo, and Toledo's leading it. So. And uh, yeah, like Dan mentioned, you know, Rockets have lost two of the last four, but won 13 of the last 15. Like the quick math I did there. So last year, of course, was that terrible game up here in the Glass Bowl where BG got out to that big lead. Rockets finally come back. And then Bowling Green goes down and scores at the closing moments of it. And uh, just a disappointing loss. But that Heartbreaking was, loss. Yeah, exactly. So let's hope we get a little revenge. Last time we went down to Bowling Green, uh, we hammered them. 49-17 to 17 was your final. Rockets come out on top. And uh, so this year's Bowling Green team, an interesting bunch. Uh, they come in at 6-4 and four overall. They opened the season at a, an undefeated now Liberty team. They lost on the road. 34-24. They beat an Eastern Illinois team, one AA school, FCS, whatever you want to call it, 35-15. Lost to Michigan, 31-6, which, when you think about it, not all that bad. No, and they were in that, they were fighting in that game into the second half. Then yeah. they went to OU and lost 38-7. And then the big the, the, the biggest win they've had, oh, since they beat Minnesota a couple years ago, they go down to Atlanta, beat Georgia Tech 38-27. I mean, that's a great win for the conference and for Bowling Green. And Georgia Tech just got handled today by Clemson. Yeah, they did. So, uh, you know, maybe it'll be Clemson and Bowling Green, the Battle of the Orange in a bowl game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Possibly. But then, then they lost to uh, Miami after that, beat Buffalo, beat Akron, beat Ball State, and they beat Kent State. So they're on a four-game winning streak, yeah. guys. It's, yeah, they're it, playing it, their best ball. It's what have you done for me lately? And they they've been turning things around. But in the end, I, I think they're going to end up being who we thought they were. Yeah. It, well, it's interesting when I was looking at some of the MAC standings for stats. They're middle of the pack in almost everything. They're not like amazing in any facet of the game. Like whether it's total yardage, and actually, I think points per game is the only thing that they're higher than middle of the road in so they scored 27 points a game in comparison to toledo's 35 i believe 36 maybe yeah and you look you look at their last five games they scored over 20 25 points every game and yeah. two, two were in the 40s yeah so it's interesting like they've got a kind of a wonky season going they definitely came out the gate and struggled they scored zero against miami of ohio in that game that they lost 27 nothing so it's been a weird season for BG, but as you guys pointed out it is what have you done for me lately it's how have you been playing recently so BG is coming in here with a little bit of confidence, or I should say we're going there with a little bit of confidence. So it will be an interesting Duke out matchup. And we know how this rivalry game goes too. There's been seasons where BG hasn't been worth a, you, you know what, and, and, they, they, and they play us extremely tough. They rise up and, they, you know, play us. As the old people say, they haven't been worth a tinker's dam. A tinker's dam. <laughs> How's that dam? For, a, for an old time phrase? I like it. I'll use like it. like Todd Beach all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use it next week. Been worth I'm, all of a sudden, name. I'm hungry for capers lasagna. Is that weird? Uh, there yeah, you go. Todd Beach. But anyway, hey, one of the guys you got to watch on BG's offense, Terion Stewart, from a local guy, semi-local, from Sandusky. He uh, has rushed for 670 yards so far this year, uh, averaging 6.1 yards a carry, seven touchdowns, 83.8 yards per pop, or I'm, sure, I'm sorry, per game. So this is a guy that uh, Rockets are going to have to key on. You know, you know the biggest uh, thing you got to watch for the Rockets is what Rockets will stand up this game because they already clinched the Mac. Right. You I was know, just going to mention yeah, that. It's, it's, I think it's the coaches that has to step up the most and no, keep the motivation don't, going. Hey, listen, don't do that. Well, I don't want You're it taking to... taking away from my breakout players segment. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I had a twist this week, and you're alluding well, to it way too strongly. I, I think their biggest motivation is they're still in that New Year Six 
you know, talk. I, there is a few teams ahead of them, one of them being Tulane, which Nate Croissant Kresge's at that game today. And you know why you know why Tulane is 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 in the top twenty five because they beat USC last year. It makes no freaking sense to me. They really haven't had a uh, stellar win this year. You put you put I put Fresno State to me. They're the top team. Yeah, in group of five. Group of five. Correct. I mean, they, except they beat, for I don't know. Air Force is right up except there too. For, Air, Force, uh, Air Force got smacked. Yeah, they lost. Oh, but they? Uh, James Madison just uh, placed an appeal to uh, yeah, that'll be that. try to, to play a bowl game this year. And those boys in all facets of college athletics are playing ball. Do you yep. see they beat Michigan State last week? Yeah. In college basketball? Yeah. And this is, you know, Izzo's best but the, team. But the, but the Rocket women went down there and kicked yes, the crap out did. of them in the second yes, half. Yes, they did. So. Yes, that right. was a crazy game. What a game. win. That was a crazy game. And we will get the basketball we will. sometime soon in this uh, year. But yeah. uh, now we're, we're talking football. Well, but the it's ro- football season. The Rockets have, I, I think it's planned around team. March, isn't it? We're going to yeah. start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the Rock, the men's team does have a game tonight That's against right. the yeah. Raging Cajuns um, from Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, it's part of that uh, Max Sunbelt Challenge. So uh, I know we go down to a Sunbelt school. I think it's in January or February. So it'll be um, kind of fun to see. So anyway. Good luck to the Rockets tonight. Exactly. So on the defensive side of the ball, I'll be remiss if I don't throw out a shout-out to my boy, Dontrez Brown, Fremont Ross, Little Giant, defensive tackle number 60. Three pass breakups. He's uh, forced a couple of fumbles this year, recovered them, taken them back 20 yards worth. Uh, anyway, nice kid. I just got to give him a shout-out. Good luck, but not too much, Dontrez. <laughs> Anybody else have anything about Bowling Green that you feel like talking about? I, I know that's about it. Well, I know last year was was – hopefully an anomaly. You know, we let them get up big, came back, and then they broke our hearts at the end. It was uh, just rough with Barstool being here. Yeah, And I was. mean, there there would have been probably like 20 people at that game with the weather last year right. if it wasn't for Barstool being here. Yeah. But not a good look. Yeah. And uh, I, I think this team, this year's Rocket squad, to me, feels a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more goal-oriented. Uh, they seem like last year they were kind of just – you know, getting by here and there. This year, they seem more determined that, hey, we're the champions. You know, it's up to everybody else to come try and beat us. If we do our thing, we're going we're gonna to handle business. Yeah. And, and I feel like if they go into that game on Wednesday with that kind of attitude, I don't think BG has the tools to hang. Yeah. You know, they, they, they like you said, it's been a wonky season, Ben. They, I don't know if they've had a complete game other than the, the, the you know, the the big game when they went down and beat Georgia Tech, and I didn't watch all of that game, so I don't know. But it just feels to me like they're kind of still an incomplete pro- project. Yeah, you know, like you said, middle of the road. They're a couple of years away from contending. Right, and it's and it's a shame as a as a fan of the rivalry what Mike Jinks did coming in there and just tearing the program to shit. Yeah, yeah, just completely depleted them. Yes, so it's that time of the week. Breakout, Big Ben, breakout. Ooh, that was good. Thanks. That was my, who's that? Swing Out Sister saying that. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Can you tell Kyle? Maybe he can tell me. I I can't. I can't even tell you. You got to be better than that. All right. Let her rip then. Yeah, all righty. So for the Big Ben's breakout players this week, Kyle somewhat alluded to it earlier. Offensively, folks, we're going with the coaching staff. 
We're going with Jason Candle. And I will say, Pat kind of mentioned it a moment ago here about how this team just feels different. I think the UT Rockets team has a little bit more elder statesman feel to it. They don't really get rattled. We've had some games, some plays specifically earlier in the year that you could almost expect a team to have, have hit got, a little bit of a rut. I got that feeling in the Western Michigan game. Exactly. It feels like an, a younger team might struggle with some adversity. But you finished. But this team doesn't. They they come back and they finish. And I think a unit that we've talked about all year long that kind of embodies that is the offensive line group, a group that was not the strength of the team by any stretch last year. And they've been the most solid, consistent bunch on the roster, and it's that's saying something oh, when, yeah. when really a lot of units have played extremely well. When you get a super senior like Tyler Long back, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. I mean, not just in, in play on the field, but in the locker room. Exactly. In, in your offensive line room. The maturity. You know, yeah, you have a mature guy like that. It's like having another coach. Exactly. So you look at you look at this UT roster makeup. We should win this game. We should score 40. Really, without question, BG doesn't have the, the horses to run with our team. But I think no, knowing how rivalries work, this game is going to be goofy. There is going to be as, gonna be as, some anomalies. as Dan the Rocket Man said, UT, or BG is going to pull out every single trick play, everything they have. They're going to unload their barrel 100%. The clip's going to be empty by the time the, the final score hits zero or the clock hits zero. I think the coaching staff is going to be huge in this game. If we can keep the boys composed, if we can come out and play solid rocket football from the opening whistle, I think UT has a chance to really run away with this game, despite all the trick plays, despite everything. I think BG is going to score, but I think UT will still win by double digits, which we'll get to that here in a moment. And as far as, oh, you're good, Pat. I was going to say, I, I think one of the things that, you know, you know, building on what you said, if it is a crazy game or a tight game, that's where the coaching experience comes in. You know, that's where your all your leaders at your position groups come in. I think if it does come down to a tight game, something like last year, which was crazy, ball security is huge. Yeah. We we haven't turned the ball over a lot. We have a little bit lately, not big. Also, I think coming into that, the coaching Time management is very important. Yeah. They, the Rockets have not been really well known for yeah. having historically good, having good clock yeah. management. Yeah, and I think in a game like this, that's going to be huge. Absolutely, absolutely. And as far as defensively goes, I'm going with two names that I think are going to have big games. It's one specifically, one major one, and he's a guy who we've mentioned a number of times on the program throughout this season. But he's once again kind of an unheralded guy. Just he's always there. He's always consistent. I think Dallas Gant's going to have a blow-up game. I think double-digit tackles, Dan Bolden is my second pick. I think the linebacking group, the to get the pressure to on this Bowling Green offense, they're going to want to run the ball. Ryan mentioned earlier the running back that they have. He is a very solid player. But I think if Dallas Gant, and he, he understands rivalry games. This is a guy who went to Ohio State, transferred to UT to come back home. He understands... These big games are dogfights. It's his last shot at the Falcons. Exactly. And it's his last game against BG. I think this is the the script is written for him to have a monster game. And it's all just laying right there. And I think he's going to be all over the field. I think he will, too. Uh, and, and like you said, Dan Bolden's there and Terrence Taylor. You know, I, I think if they start to double team any one of those people, you know, it's going to provide opportunities. It's going to open up. Exactly. Exactly. And I think Dallas is just... You know, we've talked about it. He's he's got like, you know, we look at the stat sheet, the box score after the game, 
and he's got eight tackles. He's just Mr. Consistency. And we don't even really notice. He's just playing ball, and he's just so consistent where I think this game, once again, we'll get to our predictions here in a moment. I think this game will be a little bit closer than we maybe wanted to, but it'll be it'll be silly how how much he impacts this game throughout all four quarters. I so, like the call. Let's get to the predictions, speaking of what Ben just said. Let's do it. Kick us off, I'll ben. kick us off, gentlemen. All right, I'm going with... A 38-28 victory for the Rockets. Like I said, I think it's going to be explosive for BG at times. I think they're going to have a maybe a you know one of these little. I mean, we saw it today with Penn State versus Michigan. Maybe a little flea flicker action. Maybe something you know a, a deep. Uh, what's that route called? The fade route. A deep fade route to the corner. Maybe when we're snoozing. I think they're going to pull out some some trickery where maybe they're going to score a little bit more than they have traditionally or maybe what they average. But I think at the end of the day, as we talked about, Pat, this Rockets team is going to have maybe a big drive in the fourth quarter to take it from a three-point game to a 10-point game. And then the dogs are going to eat on the defensive end and then BG's not going to be able to. Maybe we end this game with an interception. Building on what you just said a little bit, let's not be ignorant and sleep on Bowling Green's receivers. Yeah, good point. Uh, you know, they, they, they've come up with some big games this year. They have talent. Uh, they're not consistent, but, you know, they could throw, they could throw in a, a glitch of a game and, and go off. And I, I'm not seeing that happen. I'm just saying yeah. it's out there. This is the game where they would do it. This is right. the game where it reminds me of the way that Michigan plays. Michigan plays what it feels like with 30% of their playbook until they get to the Ohio State game. And once they get to the Ohio State game, all of a sudden pop passes are coming out trick plays it feels you're taking the code off (laughs) yeah exactly you're like it's time to go like this is this is our super bowl and this is for lack of better term bg's super bowl they gotta win this game ryan your prediction 31 28 rockets they take a two-game series lead and take that i-75 trophy back to the glass city so you're predicting a little close little tighter game close one yeah okay all right kyle oh uh rockets are winning this but i'm saying like 42 to 17 Okay. No, a little blowout. I'm going to sleep by the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm right there with you. I'm thinking Rockets 40. Well, wait, did Dan say 42? Uh, I think Dan said 42 to... What did he say, 42 10? 42 to 10. I'm going to skip it up a little. I'm going to throw in a safety and go 44 to 21. I'm I'm seeing a couple scores uh, by, by BG... Two that are decent. One is going to be a fluke. Darren was 48-10. Oh, it's 48-10. Right. I'm going to go 44-21 still. Oh, there you go. So the the next time we talk to you, we'll have a final score in that. And, oh, uh, Aubrey, oh. Do, you, do you have a final score? 58 to 1. It's a Canadian That's, score. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll say 58 to 2, Aubrey. But before we sign off, we do have to reach deep into the mailbag. Okay, where is Oh, here it is. It comes from uh, Bill. Uh, Kravetsky? No, it's uh, Karlovitz. Karlovitz. It's, you're close. He's from Fremont, a uh, suburb of Ballville. Wants to know who your favorite player is from your high school that played for the Rockets. I'm going to go first, offensively. Got to go, and these are people that actually played. I mean, my favorite, real favorite players are some walk-ons that and, never played. And fill in, fill in what your alma mater is for. Oh, Fremont that, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, because yeah. there might be some people out there that. That's, don't know I'm that. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Shout out Charles Woodson. There you go. So anyway, I'm going offense. I'm going Aaron Opelt on defensive side. I'm going Damon Walker, defensive tackle on that '95 team that uh, won the Las Vegas Bowl. Demetrius Sims, safety in the 
early to mid-2000s, and then Bo Martin right around that same time range. He was a defensive back as well. In fact, he had a big big interception against Kansas in overtime that helped us get that victory. There we go. Those are my favorite players. That was good. Nothing like going, you know, on a deep dive. Yeah. There you go. Hit a whole starting four. <laughs> right. All right. Well, mine, I went to Central Catholic here in Toledo. Um, my personal favorite, even though his career was kind of unluckily riddled with injuries, uh, Chris Green slash Norwood. He was a linebacker, came in as a highly touted recruit to the Rockets, and he was actually in my class at Central. So shout out to Chris Green. Um, big fan of that guy. And then there's a young guy who's currently on the roster that I'm going to make a little bold prediction who will be a stud, who will be the next, you know, we've had a little bit of a, a history now going with some of our DBs that we've been putting out. We have Tyson Anderson. We mentioned Sam Womack. We've got Quinion Mitchell. Chris McDonald's playing really well. I think Braden Alls, um, who's right now he's been repping a lot at safety. Who knows exactly on where he could slide uh, or get moved around maybe in the offseason as he gets a little older and bigger. But Braden Alls is a stud, so shout out to the Fighting Irish. I like it. I like it. Going, right, for, another, going for another state championship again here. All right, and I went to St. Francis right here in Toledo, and Ooh. I'm going I'm to reach back into the archives for this one. He uh, graduated from Toledo, I believe, the same year I graduated from St. Francis in 1982. 81, I think, oh, was he, his last year. It was probably, oh, yeah, he probably graduated, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, anyway... Uh, Mike Kennedy, defensive Great player, defensive back, uh, played for the Rockets for four years, uh, went on to play with, he was drafted, but or undrafted. He was signed by the Atlanta Falcons, uh, in 82. Then he played for Buffalo. Uh, had, a, had an interception or a, I want to say he scooped a fumble and took it in for a touchdown. I remember seeing one time. Yeah, he did. You're exactly right. Cause on that team with him was a guy who was not related to me, but his name was, his name was, uh, Bill Jillick. For the, for the Buffalo Bills. I believe he was a center. Anyway, and then he finished up with the Oilers for, for his NFL career. So that is my former alumnus Rocket favorite. And he is my favorite from your school as well. Well, there One you of go. my all-time favorites, all right. that shit. Too. Two what about you, Mike Kyle? There you go. Well, I went to Bedford, the old kicking mules across the Ohio line here. Uh, so did Nate Croissant Kresge. We both started guard. Um, we didn't have anybody in our year go to Toledo. We had a few go to Eastern, but uh, Ken Moyer is probably the best that has come out of Bedford for Toledo. Good choice. Agreed. Played five years in the NFL, uh, started for the Bengals uh, for about three years, then it signed a free agent contract with the Eagles before tearing his knee up and ending his career. And then he was a team chaplain. Now he's a head football coach down at uh, Bellbrook High School in uh, Dayton area. Yeah, we just saw him at the Miami game. We sure did. Right after the game, said hi. And Ken is a Former, he's a friend of the show. We've had him on uh, an episode, and former kicking mule that uh, graduated with my wife Susie from from Bedford. All right, well there you go. Thank you, Bill uh, Karlovitz from Fremont. Uh, for suburb, this week's the, the, yeah. mailbag mystery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We appreciate it. Uh, well, let's get a victory on Tuesday night, ESPN two. If you can't make it to the game, seven o'clock kickoff. On behalf of engineer-producer extraordinaire Kyle W. Smith, I'm Rocket Ryan Brandt. I'm P.J. Spiller, a.k.a. Pat Jillick. I am Ben Sullivan, a.k.a. Big Ben. And as always, T.O.L. E.D.O.